I just remember this set of panels rolled up on the, the train that we were about to catch and seeing all these colours and then realising it was um, someone's word. Someone had actually spray painted that like the tags that I'd seen were bigger. What the fuck is that smell? And then she just started going off at me like she full gonna belt me and everything accused me of like chroming and stuff and i'm just like no mum, it's just for warhammer like even just to think the shitty paint that they were using and they didn't have the nibs that we do today and you're just like holy fuck like they fucking burnt hello welcome to toy division episode two of series two Another Melbourne writer telling us some stories. Um, can the winner of the raffle please get in contact? And that username in iTunes is 13878104. Um, yeah, interesting username. Anyway, subscribe, five-star review. Let's jump straight in. Enjoy. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Joe Rogan experience. No, not really. Yeah. <laughs> I, keep, <laughs> I keep banging on about how he's made $110 million to have his uh, podcast only on Spotify. Can you believe that sort of money? That's uh, that's mad cash. That's, that's Joker money, really. That could be keeping Toy Division money. going for a while. So if, yeah. so if Spotify are out there and they're listening, and they're like, shit, that really niche graffiti podcast about people talking about letter graffiti. <laughs> if they want to give me $110 million, in fact, if they want to give me $100, if anyone, everyone, if anyone wants to give me any money for this, feel free. Just go to the <laughs> Instagram. Anyway, I'll stop banging on. So as normal, I'm just sipping, sipping a coffee in the background. So I'll try not to make too much noise. So good morning. How are you? How's things in um, Melbourne at the moment? Oh yeah, I suppose it's as good as it can be. Uh, getting over being home, stage four lockdown. Uh, it is what it is though, just got to play the waiting game. Yes. Uh, yeah, just been sketching and stuff. So to clarify, if people are listening to this, because I know that some people listen to the podcast at a later date, this is mid-August 2020 and... Um, Mel the city of Melbourne and the state of Victoria, which is a state in Australia, is in stage four lockdown due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So I'm pleased to hear that you've been getting some sketching going. Um, I think that's, that's, that's a graffiti writer's like lifeline, isn't it? If you can't go and actually paint or you can't really go out and do stuff, sketching, sketching. Absolutely. That's in always good. Paper. Yeah, just and then uh, and then if you're paranoid like me, like shred it 10, 10 seconds later. <laughs> I'm like, ah. Oh. There's a time in my life I did that, yes, but I <laughs> tend to keep them now. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? I I actually, do, you know, I'm I'm so lucky. I was I was lucky to have had the insight or the foresight or whatever the whatever the word is to save some of my. I've got like my original sketch I ever did. And Ooh. it's like, I wrote Def Jam, D-E-F-J-A-M. And then there was like a pair of headphones round the letters. And it's somewhere in a stash of sketches somewhere. And I'm like, even though it's a pile of shit, 
That's fucking weird to have that stuff. So anyway, I keep banging on about me, which seems to be a pattern in this podcast. So <laughs> so this is series two of Toy Division. Um, this is episode two of series two. So thanks very much for doing this. Um, this is an, the last episode was with someone who's living in Melbourne. Um, but he's originally from the UK. So this will be interesting to get another perspective of a, a true Aussie, I guess, if you describe yourself as that. So let's dive mm-hmm. straight into these questions. Sweet. So, so in the area where you lived, from memory, who was the most up person? So who's the most prolific? Who was the person that was most noticeable when you first started okay. graffiti? Well, I was probably... Probably in primary school when I started noticing graffiti, um, and I had an older brother who was right into it at the time. I think when he got into it, that's the kind of era when all the all the kids in high schools and stuff were just doing graph as the kind of hobby and skating kind of thing. You know, just got it explosive back then, and um, I started to see his, his tags around town, and I thought, oh. That looks like what he does on paper at home. I'm like, but, you know, how come he's doing it on these fences and stuff? And then from then on out, I I just kind of noticed more and more graffiti. Um, There was a few local heads in the area that really inspired me. Um, Not many people would remember them. There's one crew called TFK Crew, Total Fucking Chaos. Um, When I realized what they were and what they were about, it just kind of blew my mind. Um, and then we used to have to travel a bit to find train stations, catch a train to the city and stuff. But, um, I sort of noticed, uh, some old school heads from these crews up. Uh, one of them comes to mind was Dribbles from the KSA crew. Uh, he was, yeah, pretty good burner. Um, but this, I'm talking like early days back then. And then when I, I suppose when I kind of, um, made the decision to get into graph I, I started noticing more and more um heads up uh from the localish scene that i saw when i was traveling uh crews like ci and rdc um tab fmc sdm if you're from melbourne you'll know there's some pretty iconic crews from the southeastern suburbs um yeah they, they were most up at the time and really inspiring Total fucking chaos. Now that is a killer crew <laughs> yeah. name. Like, yeah. y- y- you know, that's that total fucking chaos. I love that. You know, there's yep. often those words which people may write or crew names. I think um, at one point, me and my friend, we like, we're going to start a crew. And we, we were writing OSM for old school massive. And then some <laughs> like local DJ guy was like, you can't call yourself old school massive. You're not old school and you're not massive. And it like really crushed us. Um, but <laughs> that guy was a dick. <laughs> so fuck that guy. Um, one sec. I'm just going to actually go and close the door because I've got a f- my fucking washing machine going and in the background and I can hear every now and again, it's going. <laughs> so I'm just going to one sec. I will cut this bit out or maybe I'll leave Beautiful. it in to show how unprofessional I am. One sec. Yeah. Yeah, 
yeah, some really iconic graffiti crews being mentioned. And then you see in the background, as you can hear, fucking washing machine. It's a real professional type thing here at the Toy Division headquarters. Um, okay, so that's, so what were the track sides like? You know, what were the streets like? Were they were they pretty bombed? Um, you know, you were saying you were noticing, you were saying, okay, so that person's drawing that, and then I'm noticing this. Did you did that then start to make you think? Oh, well, maybe if I go near a train track, there's like tra- there's stuff on the train line, or noticing things in the local area. Was that kind of like the gateway to open an awareness? Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Um... They used to go to the local shops and there there would be a massive kind of uh, bus stop there. All the kids would congregate after school. And I just remember seeing dusty tags everywhere. And I'm just like, whoa, you know, how, how are they even doing that? And then I realized it was dust. Uh, and then you'd, you'd catch a bus and you'd just see the stainers on the sides of the seats and stuff like that. Catch the train down to the, the big station and... Um, the buff was well and truly underway for panels back then, but um, I remember, uh, well, probably before school, just waiting at the train station with my parents to go to the Royal Melbourne show in the city. Um, it's like a big carnival festival for kids, um, if you don't know what that is. And um, I just remember this set of panels rolled up on the, the train that we were about to catch and seeing all these colours and then realizing it was um, someone's word. Someone had actually spray painted that like the tags that I'd seen were bigger. And I just thought, wow, um, you know, to this day, I wish I got a flick of it, but my my days of taking flicks would come a lot later. And then I, I used to really enjoy catching the train into the city, which was a rare occurrence for me as a kid, only on special occasions and just seeing all these um, big pieces by people all the inspiring styles and uh, I used to love seeing the characters too and and back back in those days you know I think a lot of the old school heads they would always have some sort of character or b-boy stance next to their pieces which I just absolutely loved it was pretty inspiring for me so much more accessible isn't it for say kids I think someone else mentioned a writer who who done it or who who done yep. it who used to do characters and yep. and lots of characters and i guess for the untrained eye you know if we're talking about like a fucking solid wild style 20 color burner like going past that like it, for a child that that's like it's just a shape it's just a blob but if they see yep. i don't know fucking thomas the tank engine or <laughs> a teenage mutant ninja turtles or even just a smiley face it's like that's that really noticeable thing which can make think oh what's that but you know you know what like you're saying when you you remember those panels rolling in i just often think god i bet there were so many things i saw and i just didn't have the awareness you know i used to go up to london with my parents in the in the mid probably early 90s and it would have been bombed like there would have been stuff running and we used to go on the london underground a fair bit like on days out but i just you know you just your eyes aren't really aware or your brain isn't really noticing things it's almost like they haven't your eyes have you're not wearing the special graffiti glasses which which then when, once they're on they're never off yeah no i completely agree with you 
always going for a drive somewhere you always notice something or some sort of spot to do yeah and you know what that can keep pretty boring trips fucking interesting so <laughs> was there a person or persons who were instrumental in the local style developing so i guess we're talking about melbourne so was is there anybody that you can think of that you think yeah that's where that real melbourne style came from um yeah absolutely um there's a lot of a lot of old school heads some of them are you know still active today um there's a lot of riders from the late 80s and early 90s that you know, had similar styles, which are absolute burners. Um, and then, then I suppose their pieces kind of inspired um, rival crews to do bigger and better. Um, and then at the time that created the perfect storm of graph. Um, and yeah, uh, unbeknownst to me at the time, um, Puzzle, he's a big, pretty big one. He's known worldwide. Um, but Personally, I didn't really see much of his stuff until later on because I didn't have access to any magazines or um, I couldn't really get to the city at the time to see his stuff. But uh, I saw a lot of a lot of local heads in the area, um, and their stuff was awesome. To this day, I you know I wish I had flicks of it. It was pretty inspiring. Um, people like Ranks, Shem, Pistol Guns, DB8. Demise, Drastic, Mesk, um, yeah. So for, for me growing up in the southeastern suburbs, I went from kind of one end from southeast down to the other and got to see a mix of um, really awesome crews. Uh, and now that I'm a bit older, I can sort of distinguish, you know, how the two different styles kind of impacted on my own. Puzzles just had a book come out recently, right? Yep, yep. Um, and there's also a book about the history of Melbourne that came out quite a few years ago. Is it King Kingsway? Is that yes, right? Kingsway? I need to get a copy of that, but I'm I'm really trying to limit my purchase of graffiti books and magazines because <laughs> I've got a, I've got a, and I'm sure listeners to this will know they they're in the same boat. I've just got a problem. I I overbuy graffiti stuff and there is more important things to pay <laughs> like rent <laughs> and food and whatever rather than just like oh because when you were talking about puzzle i was like fuck i need to get that puzzle book and then then <laughs> i was thinking on oh, kingsway i need to get that and i'm just like no just fucking stop because it half of them just sit there and i look at them once and i'm like okay done excellent but some of those names that you mentioned i mean someone like ranks for me i you know ranks is even to this day now you know has such an original style so out there and very very prolific so i know that ranks is someone i've been aware of but i guess that's someone that has then done stuff abroad which then gives a wider audience but that's some interesting names that you've got there and i think i'm gonna have to buy that puzzle book i've got to <laughs> absolutely man <laughs> um so as part of the Melbourne scene, and I know Melbourne is a pretty big city, so to, to, I, I'm not going to give you know kilometres squared for people, but it is a pretty spread out large city. 
So it, one thing I do like about Melbourne is, is that you can get around on a bike very easily. It's, it's Correct me if I'm wrong, it's created in a grid format, the centre of Melbourne, isn't it? Ah, uh, yes. Yes, correct. which makes it way easier than Sydney because cycling in Sydney is just shite. Um, so in the wider Sydney scene or, you know, in your your area of Melbourne, was there a specific spot that was really important to, you know, where you were learning to paint or becoming a writer? Is it, you know, the Hall of Fame, abandoned building, you know, tolerated spot, whatever you want to call it. Is there anywhere you can think of? Um. Yeah, there's, there's a few spots that come to mind. I mean, obviously, when you're starting out and you toy, um, uh, everyone kind of heads towards the um, stormwater drains. Um, there's a, a lot of them are quite popular and quite large um, down near the coast. Um, yeah, <laughs> you kind of head there when you're younger and you do a piece and you're like, oh, fuck, yeah, this is awesome. And then you come back a couple of days later and there's just absolute shit over your piece. And <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those spots you go to and you don't expect much. It's just to kind of get one over, I guess. Um, also, a lot of abandos, they pop up. Some of them pop up and disappear pretty quick. And then there's others that just stick around for a while. Um, yeah, it's always good to have an explore and a, and a paint and um, just learn new things and take your time when you're starting out. Um, that's I a good That's a good little... tip, I have to say, because some people, they, and I'm talking from personal experience, think I'm going to go and go fucking all city with no skills. Yeah. Well, that's that the storm drains. So uh, someone else on a couple of other episodes has mentioned how important the, the storm drains scene is. I think in quite a few cities, you know, the guy on the last episode was talking about how it was an important part. I mean, they were referring it to as the sewers in Leeds in the UK. Um, yep. But in Melbourne, I know, and in Sydney to, to some degree as well, um, storm drains are definitely that kind of that learning space for writers. So it sounds like that was a thing for you as well. Yeah, um, I, I suppose... Part of graph for me as well was exploring. Um, and there's a group who's been around since the mid eighties called the cave clan. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're kind of like a um, exploration group, nothing to do with graffiti really. Um, they just started off exploring stormwater drains and um, they found all these cool features like old World War II bunkers and um, staircases inside these tunnels underground. Um, and yeah, I, you know, hooked up with them a couple of times and explored a few, um, drains and, you know, did a bit of photography and stuff like that. Um, they were pretty inspirational as well, just to, you know, you, you go into this underworld under the city and you have, have no idea that it's there. Would you say that you fell in love with like the exploration part of it through graffiti? Or do you think it was, it's always been something which you've just enjoyed? Um, I think a bit of both. They've always kind of gone hand in hand. I mean, I remember, you know, in the early days going to an abando with a friend um, and, and just seeing like Graf already there or, or we've gone there to paint and, and I'm just like, you know, 
um, I liked exploring, looking at all all the different things inside the buildings and whatnot. And then as I got into graph, I'm like, oh, you know, let's just go there to paint. That's a good spot to chill out. No one's going to be there. And then you go to some of the bigger abandos as well, and and they're just absolutely thrashed full of pieces and tags and throwies and all sorts. And um, you're like, yeah, this is a good environment. You get up, everyone can see it too. And yeah. The thing which someone has mentioned, um, so the guy that's on the other podcast, what's it called? Uh, the Graffiti Machine. Um, it's a guy from MSK. He's talked about how he'll these days, you know, he's you know, he's from a very big, well-known crew, MSK. You know, people that know graffiti yep. in the US. MSK is like, you know, the top level. But he was saying that he now goes and paints spots where it's not just going and doing highway spots or it's not going and doing just spots where the general public, he goes and tries to aim to paint places where he knows writers will go. And I'd never thought about it like that. So going to like abandoned spots or spots where writers will be exploring is like a different way of thinking about it. And I quite like that because it's like, like the thing, the place we were talking about before we started recording where I've found where there's not really that much there but it's quite obvious some young writers do go there or they might not be um, young, but they're pretty shit. Um, <laughs> just harsh. Um, but again, they've seen maybe stuff that's there. I'm seeing what they're doing. And it's like, well, maybe it doesn't always have to be these super high profile spots. Maybe going to an abandoned spot and finding a piece by someone is pretty, pretty sweet. But then also people might then think, well, you're just a fucking, you just can't be bothered to go and do panels anymore, toy division hosts. So you're just saying, oh, I'll just go to chilled spots because, like, that's where writers will see it. Um, so I, I think a big part of the culture to start off with, um, especially when I started, was, you know, prime real estate on, on track sides. Um, nothing was getting buff. You'd see some amazing burners that would be up for 10, 20 years. Uh, and then everyone had that kind of old school mentality of track sides and panels. Whereas um, I remember we had the Commonwealth Games here uh, about maybe 10 or so years ago. And that's when they started the buff, just, you know, dull gray walls everywhere. And people kind of made an attempt to bomb them and get the pieces back. But then once they realized they kept buffing, um, the graffiti kind of went into a, a little bit of a lull and then um, yeah, now you've got new generations of writers coming through, just catching spots that, you know, they're just mind blowing and, and obviously some degree of risk to their own life just to get their name out. But um, yeah, I suppose that's part of graph, isn't it? Just um, bigger, better, more, um, just to get your name out. Like you said, with the MSK writer, um, just doing it where writers will see, but then also in the public eye too. Yeah. And the thing is, is what I'm really enjoying is it's all these conversations I have with people is that, you know, people can get out of graffiti, whatever they want. Cause I've always been in this, my, I, for a long time, I was almost like stuck in a box of like, this is what I've got to do. This is what I've got to achieve. This is what, if I haven't done this many panels, then I'm a pile of shit. If I'm not doing a trackside every other day, I'm shit probably was shit in terms of style but in terms of like well if i'm not up 
then fucking uh and even now i still have it some nights i'm like fuck i need to go out and paint i've got to go and paint because and i'm like well, why who am i trying to prove this to who am i trying to you know who am i trying to make sure that they know i exist and what i found really interesting is i've been listening to quite a few podcasts um i think it's angel and z i think that's the podcast sorry if, to them if i've given the wrong fucking name for it but there's been some interviews with maybe someone like rd claw um oj not oj simpson oj the writer <laughs> and um <laughs> that i think claw she was talking about you know if you're a graffiti writer for life you need to make your life about something else other than just graffiti and I think that's that realization, isn't it? Where it's like, you can go and do a fucking billion panels, which would be pretty sweet, but it's like, get out of it what you want and don't feel like you need to be dictated to. If you want to just draw smiley faces on legal walls, go for it. Get out of it what you want. Because I think for a long time, graffiti was very much in this kind of like, this is what you've got to do. This is how it goes. If you don't do this, then you're a fucking toy. Uh, you can't do this. And I just think that's just such a restrictive way of looking at such an amazing culture. Yeah, I agree. Sweet. That's good. We agree. <laughs> um, so <laughs> in the area where you lived, so where you were coming up, you know, when you were learning, yep. other than, you know, spots that sold export because that's an aussie brand or uh, all the other aussie brands um was there a place that you remember popping up like a store where you were like shit we can actually get this good quality paint because i guess it was often seen as you know people call it like bespoke graffiti paint or something fancy like that so it's a lot of it's like european brands Yep. Do you remember somewhere popping up, like a store or somewhere where you could get it? And you're like, shit, this paint's good. Um, yeah, there's there's a few um, places that come to mind from the early days. Um, there was a couple of hardware stores. Um, there was one popular one, uh, Pinhalorax at the time. Uh, shops here back then were only open five, six days a week and nothing was allowed to be open on a Sunday. And um, this guy put his foot down and said he'd be open on Sunday and created a pathway for all the shops to be open. But he was really good because um, he had Krylons there as much as uh, with other different brands of paint you could get. Um, so we used to go in there and, and pinch a couple. Um, and Krylon was good back then too because they, the amount of colours they had was just insane. Um, and, and the coverage before they changed the formula was awesome too. I was going to uh, say, it, was that the the old style Krylon? Because Krylon now is just a pile of shit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I remember I went back in there a few years ago to get some because um, I hadn't used the new formula. And I was, yeah, I was pretty disappointed. But the colours are good. Um, was that yeah, the, what, the cans where they've got that weird... I know, is that Rusto where they've done it now, where they've got almost, yeah, it's trigger. like a trigger. Yeah. I'm like, why did that? I think I've spoken to someone else about this on a different episode. Like those companies, they could have, they could have become 
so it's almost like they resisted the fact that people were using them to do graffiti it was almost like they were such classic companies they were like we are doing no we're not we're not acknowledging people are using this to do graffiti and then other brands have just like swept them under the carpet <laughs> bit foolish you should try and capitalize on your clientele but I suppose when people are racking it, you're like, they're not really our clients, are they? (laughs) They're just fucking nearly sending us broke because they've just been (laughs) filling fucking bags of stuff. Bags of, (laughs) you know, bags of whatever with fucking cans of our paint. Because I I, I guess that racking has become something, which I know people still do it. You know, I was talking to a mate yesterday. He's like, I'm I'm out of work at the moment. I still want to paint. I'm racking paint again. I'm like, cool do what you want fair enough that's all good but i guess (laughs) when i first started it was like it was almost like frowned upon to buy paint yeah i think that was just an old school mentality um plus paint you know uh, especially krylons and that you're paying 10 12 dollars a tin well there is that as well the price I mean, we're living in the golden age now. You get a six pack for 40 bucks or whatever. You can't go wrong there. But um, back in the early days, especially before we had access to the internet, um, you know, you kind of had to know someone or just go and make do with Aussie export, like you said, which was um, horrible if you've ever (laughs) used it. (laughs) Um, I I remember the first time I I got um, good quality paint there was a record shop in the city that I went to um, and it was a really strange place to buy paint actually now that I think about it but they had um, Molotow cans there and I think they were about 12 or $13 each and um, I remember I got this like dark red crimson sort of colour um, I remember taking it home um, and I really wanted to test it out and I was in my bedroom and I had this um, like massive piece of paper in my cupboard and I thought, oh yeah, this is a good idea. I'm just gonna spray a couple of lines on on this piece of like, kind of like cardboard. So I did and um, it stunk like shit. It like literally gassed my whole room and I'm like, oh fuck, what am I gonna do? Uh, I remember winding down the window, I had a ceiling fan on that was full blast and it was like winter time too. And then I hear my mum come in the door and she was coming to ask me something. And then she's like, what the fuck is that smell? And then she just started going off at me, like she full going to belt me and everything, accused me of like chroming and stuff. And I'm just like, no, mum, it's just for Warhammer. Like, oh, please, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the good old yeah, Warhammer. The, the good old, the, yeah, good old Warhammer 40,000 or Warhammer whatever like oh yeah it's for doing modeling stuff <laughs> mum yeah i, I mate yeah. i used to do it where i used to and i i look back at what i used to do i used to like fucking i did a fucking full fully fledged piece in my room oh how did that go i think my parents just thought i was fucking mentally ill to be honest and i'm not <laughs> i'm not like i'm not like but I was, I was smoking a lot of weed at the time at a very young age. And I was, yeah. I don't, I, I think back, I look back now and I think, I think I was just quite mentally unwell. And I think that my room stank of bong smoke and 
I thought they couldn't smell it and it stank of spray paint. And I think they just tolerated it, really. I don't, fuck knows, really. I think back and they, <laughs> they weren't exactly the most chilled parents, you know, ex-army and ex-police. And I'm like, that's not chilled parents, but I, fuck, I don't know. Maybe I was just so stoned. I didn't, I can't remember them having a go at me all the time. But I quickly learned after getting arrested and having my house raided, paint all the walls very pristine. Don't have every writer in the local area come round and tag your bedroom. That would have went down well. <laughs> <laughs> so there was so there seems to be a thing with like record stores. You know, record stores start selling spray paint. So I think that can be a big instigator of good quality paint being available. And also yeah. skating shops, so skateboard shops. Often they might just start randomly selling paint because that's what i experienced you go to like skate skate stores and there'd be like spray paint behind the counter you think what the fuck is that there for but there's that connection between like music skating and graffiti kind of like overlap yeah i i just remembered now that uh when i went to go buy that can at the record store um victoria uh just passed a law where um under 18s couldn't purchase spray paint at all um and i remember he was looking at me and he's just like oh um are you over 18 and it's like uh got went really shy and awkward and then he just like got the receipt and scrunched it up and put it in the bin and gave me my can and i was like fuck yeah <laughs> um but yeah no exactly like record shops um and hip-hop shops and that kind of thing they all sold paint and markers back then um wasn't until a few years after that I found out about a popular paint shop in North Melbourne that everyone goes to that literally had every paint that you could think of. Um, yeah. I think I might, uh, I'm just guessing. Is that the one where you have, it's like, you can't just walk in and you have to like, I don't know. Cause I've been to one where it's almost like you have to go and knock on a door and then they like let you in. It's not just like a free for all sort of store. I can't remember what the place yeah. is called. Yeah. That's yeah. The that's the yeah, one. That's the one. Everyone, everyone that lives in Melbourne, like, yeah, yeah, we know what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, the place to go. Yeah. Well, they've they've actually they're actually I've gone in there and they're actually quite they're actually friendly people. They're actually there's a load of things available. There's like graffiti magazines. There's pens. There's the paint. There's everything that you want really. And yep. there was a I was I was in there when I was in in Melbourne for work and I popped in and got some paint and um, a young kid came in and he was like, they were like, look, you're, you're too young. You can't buy it. And he's like, Oh, I've got this, I've got this written permission from someone that I can buy paint. And, I, and they were looking at it and they were just like, look, mate, we can't really. I was just like, fuck. Kids these days are pretty lucky. Uh, you can literally go on a website, even Instagram and, you know, just hit up someone. Yep. 10 20 bucks delivery uber eats uber paints all that kind of thing or you can go to the shop and get the real thing you can go to bunnings you can rack it super cheap order all that kind of thing i mean kids are pretty spoiled for choice um so you can pretty much get stuff anywhere yeah just buy it on the fucking internet no one's IDing yeah. you when you're on the internet what i'm really looking for is finally a website there is various paint retailers in australia but all the websites there's so much choice there's like 
15 colors of yellow. There's 50, and I'm just like, oh, fuck. And I actually ordered directly from Iron Lack, and some, I probably fucked up the order. And then I was like, oh, I bought loads of trans, you know the stuff that's like transparent? It's not, yeah. I bought loads of black and loads of whites. I was like, right, the classics delivered, messaged them. They were like, yeah, you got to send it back. You got to pay for the postage. But I've heard they're bringing back Yardmaster soon. Oh, okay. I was always a fan of Yardmaster. So I don't know if that's true or not, but I heard it through a friend. Because I like that. I like that simple, like, one tone of this color or one tone of that color. You know, limited. Maybe I'm just old and I need simple a simple menu but you know when someone like the whole thing at a restaurant you go in and the, the the menu's like fucking four pages wide you're like fuck i don't know what to choose you're spoiled for choice you go into a graph shop and that i now write down exactly what colors i need because i know people that work in paint stores and they're like the worst thing is when someone comes in and they're like looking going uh yeah what colors of green have you got and it's like very obviously on show and they're like, we've got this, this, and this. Mate, maybe I'm just a fucking grumpy old bastard. But anyway, um, so it sounds like in the area where you were, there was that spot where they started selling Krylon, but people were racking it. So yeah. I bet I bet they were loving that. Yeah, Let, let's get this like good brand <laughs> in and then it'll just all get fucking stolen. But anyway, that's, that's graffiti life. And, and then and you had your normal choice of bunnings too with your plastic oats and fiddly bits and that kind of thing. Chucking them over the fence in the garden area. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, my um, the pants too. Yeah. Smile, smile at the person at the door as you walk out. Good times. Um, um, back then in Bunnings, did, were they checking receipts then? Because anytime I go into Bunnings, they're like, can I look at your receipt? Can I look at your receipt? Can I look at your receipt? And they stamp it. I, you doing that I, then? I, I don't actually recall. I think they might have been. But I mean, back in those days, we were that kind of stupid that we'd just walk straight in with hoodies on in summer <laughs> and walk straight out without actually buying anything. Yeah. And then and then we we might be there the, the next day and the same thing. Um, no one was the wiser though. That was the funny thing. So I guess it was just dumb luck at the time. But yeah, no no receipts to even show, mate. I wonder, and this is, I think, like, I wonder, as you get older, do you get more paranoid? Because I find oh, I, yeah. I overthink things now way more than I did when I was younger. I'd be like, oh, yeah, fucking walk into it, go and do a back jump in the daytime. Go and fucking, no, no high vis, just walk on tracks in the daytime, like walk into a yard. Oh, yeah, no checker, no high vis, not really scoping the spot. Just walk into places, rack paint, walk out, not even think about it. And it's so fucking obvious you're doing it. Now I like overthink fucking everything. I'm like, is that just getting old? Is that smoking way too much weed? Is that just being a paro fucking paranoid Android adult? Who knows? Put your um, answers on a postcard and send it to toy division underscore podcast <laughs> on Instagram. Okay, so so we've gone through like the historical context for you. And, you know, one thing I want to say about Melbourne is, is that the Melbourne scene is fucking fresh, man. Like I, I'm making moves to try and move there because not just for the graph, but just in general, just, you know, I think it's such a good city to live in. Okay, at the moment, it's not great for you guys because you're in stage four nah. lockdown, but it's not nah, the... 
Yeah, <laughs> I love that term, <laughs> shithouse. Um, it's not, but just so fresh. Like anywhere, anytime I've ever been there, it just blows my mind how many people paint there and how many fresh pieces there are. And you can see where they've like buffed a spot and then it's just crushed again and again and again. People, yeah, there's a lot of graph happening in this town. It's good because there's a lot of um, a lot of different crews and different lines to, I guess, they kind of stand each other up with their, their burners. Um, and yeah, it just creates a inspirational wave for, I guess, the younger generations just to do bigger and better. Amazing. It's almost like they did Kingsway as the book, but it's almost like they'll need to do another one in like 10 years. I think so. It's funny just remembering the the pieces. You know, I remember when I got into graph and started taking flicks and I was taking flicks, you know, 10 years ago of pieces that were around from 93, 94 still. And just to have that flick and, and see the difference between back then and today and even just to think the shitty paint that they were using and they didn't have the nibs that we do today. And you're just like, holy fuck, like they fucking burnt and they had nothing that's what boggles my mind a lot when you look at pieces that people did and you know how shit the paint was but i guess what often happened is and i've heard this is that people would know which brands colors were good quality so you'd know that there might be an export pink oh no probably not pink it would probably be awful but there'd be like an export blue which would be good There'd be yeah. like a Tuxen red. And also people would mix their own paint. You know, that's what yeah. a lot of young writers don't even know is that if you wanted to get a good quality like pink or yellow or something like that, you would mix up different colours to create that using quite a, I wouldn't say complex way of doing it. It's once you know how to do it, it's pretty simple. But you think, fucking hell. Like just to get a good quality color. Now you can just walk into a store and they've got 20 colors of fucking green. I always say green, 20 greens, 20 browns, 20 reds, 15 types of yellow and cream. And you just think, fuck. but you know, I think the other thing which blows my mind as well is that there's so many paint brands, but it's such a small profit margin, margin, margin on paint. You know, that small profit yep. margin is like, fuck, they make like, a dollar, two dollars per can, max. They gotta gotta keep things competitive, though. Um, yeah, it, it's funny. I, I've you know just looking at all the different brands that come and go with popularity and and coverage, and like you said, lasting in sunlight and stuff, and then sort of next wave of paint takes over, and that's the next best thing to have. So, um, what's your brand I, of paint at the moment that you're choosing? If you, if you had to, we well, not had to, but if you were going to choose. Well, uh, I'm, I've kind of just come out of a, a few years hiatus, to be honest. So I'm still kind of getting my niche back, but um, I've even been outlining with exports lately. I know, shame on me. It's pretty horrible, but... Um, Not really, because I'll do it quite often. I'll just like use shit spray paint. And then you use like, I don't know, loop or iron lac or fucking whatever. And you're like, oh, fucking hell, this is why I use this paint. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, 
uh, I've done a few pieces now with export outline and then I did one yesterday um, and I think I used the cobra canter outline and I'm just like oh holy fuck bro. I can I can remember why I used big paint for outlines but um, a, a famous a good quote that I heard in a young age it's always stuck by me was that I think uh, it might have been a Tommy from Sydney um, he said in an interview that's always stuck by me um, that he would rather see a burner style wise just with black and chrome and and like a band than seeing a million colors thrown into just this simple style that do, do you, know, you know what i'm trying to say like oh yeah what don't say like a, a crazy chrome black and chrome wild style than seeing some full color bubble sort of piece do you know what i and i agree i agree i you know i'd i'd actually rather now i would even add an extra thing on top of that i'd rather see a super simple original piece something where you like notice it and you're like fuck i've never seen something like that before you know i was having this discussion with someone else yesterday and i was pointing out some of the people that i know from the uk and they're doing some fucking fresh stuff like and to the untrained eye you'd be like what the fuck is this shit but it's almost like it's going it's it's becoming I don't know. It's just, I'm finding that more interesting because I don't know about you. I can look at a million and one like wild style pieces done super crisp, la, 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 la. And you know, a lot of my friends will take a photo of like some graffiti in different parts of the world. Cause they know I'm really into it and they'll send it to me. And it's like a super crisp production with characters and like super, super crisp. And then they'll maybe send me a, like someone else will send me a, a wall covered in tags, like pen tags, fucking can tags, fat cap tags, reaches, or someone from Paris will send me like a tag by O'Clock. So other people that have listened to these episodes will know that I'm a total O'Clock fanboy, um, who is actually on Instagram, so check that out. But I would rather see something like original and basic than like the the same regurgitated thing so i guess that's kind of what he was saying is you know it's better to have something just basic even just like a fucking hollow outline often like that's more exciting to me than a fucking 500 color 20 hour production i don't know about you but (laughs) no i'm the same i I think that comes from starting out too and advice for up-and-coming writers as, as mentioned before in other episodes, um, you know, you start simple and then you build from the ground up. Um, and if you can't rock like a simple piece with two colors and some good style, then I don't know, to me, it's just when you're throwing in a million colors and making it super crisp and clean, it's, I'm sure it's good in other people's eyes and I don't turn my nose up, but I'm just, you know, it's just not really my thing. So learn the basics, like you're saying. Like just even just start drawing letters in capitals, which is something I wish I'd done. Just like draw fucking letters in capitals (laughs) over and over again and look at how letters actually are formed rather than trying to create this. Because, you know, you see those like fucking super fresh, complex tags and you're like, yeah, it's all got to connect and have arrows and squiggles and all the the fucking halo at the top. But people can see that it's a pile of shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you can what's the term you can polish a turd 
There's only, only so much you can polish a turd. Who knows? Anyway, so this is the other thing that I've started doing in these episodes, chucking in a mystery question at the end. Because people, people are like, oh, shit. Because um, they're like, fuck, oh, how am I going to answer it? It's almost a bit of a freestyle. So one of the questions I was going to ask was, what advice can you give to new writers? So that's like been on other episodes. But if you could go right back to... Um, when you were first starting out and you could just say one, one, one bit of advice for your younger self, what would it be? Uh, paint more uh, and sketch more. I mean, I, I did sketches, but, you know, as we all do when we're toy, we're pretty shit when we start out. Um, I just wish I painted more, get, you know, get that control up and kind of get my style going um and and i suppose advice for new writers starting out now just just paint just find a spot to paint and go do it you know you don't don't always have to cap people and do track sides and stuff you can paint wherever you want shit will probably stay up forever if you find some niche spot if you're lucky enough to find a spot like that and go do it and just keep painting and for me, I had a spot near where I lived where I could just go and just paint and paint and paint and, and my shit was there for ages until they buffed it just a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, I got a lot of practice in there. Just find a spot to paint and just keep sketching. That's great advice. I, and that's actually, you know what? That's what I would say to my younger self. Literally, sketch more, stay very, keep it very, very simple and just find somewhere which is, you know, not completely untouched because that's quite difficult to find, but just find somewhere where you can really practice, get that can control down and be aware that it takes a long time to get good because I think a lot of people get put off by it. I used to get so fucking annoyed at myself. And even the other bit of advice, I, I don't know about you, but you know, maybe even go to some spots where people do paint regularly and don't go up and be like trying to fucking be their best mate, but just watch what they're doing. Like, no watch how they're yourself. painting. Yeah. Well, don't, yeah. Don't go, hey, Cope 2, can you fill my black book? But just watch <laughs> what they're doing because I had no fucking idea. Anyway, that's that's a shout out to our younger selves. So... Thanks very much for giving even more insight into the Melbourne scene. Because, again, like I've said, it's fucking fresh. So no shout outs to anybody because the shout outs thing at the end was just a complete flop. And I'm just... I was going to shout out. Oh, yeah. If you want to, go for it. You might might be this... (laughs) I think I shouted someone out on the episode where I was interviewed and one of the other people from Melbourne did. So, yeah, please shout out. Please. Okay. All right, shout out to the SCA crew, boys. Like my brothers. Boom, there you go. So that was SCA, did you say? Yep. And thanks for doing a shout out because I think some people are a bit afraid of it. They're like, fuck, I might not get everyone in on this and then I'm going to be hated forever and this is going on the internet. But again, (laughs) thanks so much for giving this insight and I hope everything goes well. So I'm just going to stop recording. Another good interview with a writer from Australia. Once again, can the winner of the raffle, whose iTunes username 
people are thinking this is like out of a prize draw number, but this is actually their iTunes username. It's 13878-1004 because you've got a pretty good prize waiting for you. And please get in contact. Go on the Instagram, toydivision underscore podcast and direct message because I'm going to send you the prize. Uh, please subscribe, give a five-star review, share with your mates. And thanks again to everyone sending the positive feedback. Tune in next time for another Toy Division. Peace out.